0: You're listening to
1: Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network, with Van Burnett and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 91. Today is March 16th, Thursday, and that means we're two weeks out from opening day. I'm Van Burnett, joined, as always, by Steve Giswelli. we got a great show ahead Talking best ball drafts, a uh, recent favorite of mine and Steve's over the past couple years. And the industry loves them in general. It's all the glory of draft and uh, none of the maintenance throughout the season. So we're going to talk about tips, best practices, and recap my first draft with Steve this offseason where basically we got skin in the game with a little bit of money. So it's going to be great to talk through some names, some strategy, pumped up for it steve how's it going
0: good um as a wrestling fan today's a big day 316 day um it's it's, uh, it's nice um we're not even recording this on the day and i'm I'm, a good podcast episode i'm in a wrestling t-shirt but hey uh gotta do what you gotta do to prepare for that right um yeah it was it was a lot of fun we did this as we record this yesterday so like the day before that we're actually recording this so i know we were talking about it sort of all off season to get into it and to actually get a, a draft under our belt that was just us not in like an industry league or, or anything like that where you know there is skin in the game it is a, a decent buy-in so um it's always fun doing that um and yeah i mean they're popular i know fan tracks does them I, I think even like you know, some of the other platforms does best balls, but uh, it's great because we always say offline, online. And I think it's um, an issue with, not an issue, but just a product of people that love fantasy baseball as much as us. It's you, you get league, you get oversaturated with leagues and it's hard to do even weekly leagues. It's hard to manage that much and sort of, it could be a detriment to all your other leagues if you're in too many, right? And that's the beauty about a best ball—you you draft it, and then that's it—you're you're done. Like as as fun as it is, you know, in the grind of a season, picking up players and doing fab and and going through the grind, you can only do that so much. So that's why I think it's a beautiful thing uh, yeah. to have best balls, and you know, we always say we want to do leagues together, but we have a lot of other commitments elsewhere. Not saying that we're too good to like do anymore, but it just honestly it, it it doesn't it's not as fun, and that's why we do this to have fun. So to to have a team, I know we did one last year. I think we had a lot of lessons learned that hopefully we uh, we can apply and 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 do better in this year. Uh, I'll have to look up where we finished on that team last year and and give ourselves a baseline for this. But yeah, it was great. I'm I'm glad we could talk, and then we can give some strategy and general takeaways. And I, I think it's applicable to, to all leagues too, right? Cause it's the draft is still important. And then that's all this is, is just the draft. So, um, and in the middle of March, that's what everyone's doing. So it's timely.
1: Yeah. There's a little bit of a slant to the format, which we'll get into, but yeah, we'll talk some guys. I mean, there will be some usual suspects that you've heard Steve and I, if you've tuned into the show, Uh, rave about over the past four or five months but there's some guys that we feel play up specific to this format so it's gonna be great but yes housekeeping stuff we are recording this show on friday march 10th so give us a little bit of grace guys if uh we talk about anybody that knock on wood uh got injured hopefully that doesn't happen but Yes, I'm, I'm out in Vegas for uh, Con Expo, the big construction trade show. Biggest one in the world, Steve. So is, appreciate you being flexible with me on this one. And
0: I, I, I know that there was another thing that, that lined up with you. Well, I think you were out in Arizona when when first pitch was there. Yeah. Are there NFBC drafts going on this weekend that you're there? Is that,
1: uh, oh, is that possible? i got to look that up. It's March Madness, Thursday, Friday. Oh, so that'll God, be an experience. Oh, my God, what a time, yeah. The, uh, yeah, the the. the caesar's palace get a little sports room going so uh yeah like i said man i'll be i'll be looking into any over under lines on like home runs in a season i feel like you know few are as dialed in as we are in terms of average vegas goers most people listen to the show you guys are as plugged in as we are so uh yes other housekeeping as always guys you can you can follow us on twitter at wins pod i'm at van underscore verified and steve is at stav 8818 Throw us a follow. We'll be uh tweeting early in the season as well on on takeaways. It's something we want to do more this year as well. So we appreciate the support. And give us a rating and a review if you guys enjoy the podcast. Had a great battle with Bubba and the Batflip podcast. Uh, we almost had the upset in in the baseball pods bracket, but it was cool to see the support of our listeners and a couple of people reached out as well. So that was that was great. So Anyway, anything to add there, Steve? Before we kind of launch into it? Um,
0: no, but we did finish the seventh out of twelve last year. We did an NFBC Best Ball Twelve. Um, I think it's the, the same exact format, uh, just a slightly different name. Um, I think it's like the Best Ball Championships or something like that that's called this year. So, um, yeah, we got to do better than seventh.
1: Well, we're, we're ready. This, this, hey, this team we got here. I think we're going to be making a, a strong push. So. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the lessons learned. I, I do want to hit it at the higher level on just why we love these drafts. I mean, you mentioned it, Steve, that it's it's focusing on the draft itself. And I think one other really cool aspect, we don't need to dwell on this topic too long, but it's because all of the weight of the, the league, the outcome is based on how you draft. I think it rewards extra the, the work you put in in the offseason. season. You know what I mean? Because there there are people who might have a bad draft, but then they really scratch and claw with waiver ads and they're super diligent on the wire and they can inch up. But this is truly just, you know, are you good at picking the guys and projecting out who's going to have a, a great season? So um, there's strategy as well, but not in season management. So just wanted to note that like a best ball this time of year where, you know, the guys aren't. You know, for the most part you're not you're not doing it in January where you might have some injuries or anything like that, but it's still truly just a draft that that matters and it's you know you're playing for something on the line if you're doing kind of a money league, so yeah, go out and check it out, guys, but Steve, why don't you talk a little bit more about the format uh because best ball definitely has a particular kind of structure and set of rules, so talk our listeners through what they could expect if they signed up for a best ball
0: so since there is no in-season moves right the the rosters are a lot a lot bigger i know there's some formats that i think it's nfpc 50s which is also a best ball i know you you do a few of those right van is that yep. is that is that true there's no yeah, but the, there's no those management. have management
1: yep. yeah
0: oh they do have management okay oh I, I, me. i'm
1: sorry i'm sorry not the 50s i thought you were talking about satellite leaks yeah so yep. no management
0: yep yep um so with no management it's a larger roster so for this particular Uh, best ball the best ball championship it's 46 rounds you get 46 roster slots um uh ci mi util five outfield two catchers so same sort of starting lineup um uh, as you know tgfbi the main event those sort of things but it's just the much larger bench instead of normally what seven um seven bench players uh you get an extra 16 on top of that. Um, so, you know, you, you sort of double the roster, and then each each week um, the lineup optimizes, or, you know, the, the algorithm optimizes your lineup, and it's a points league uh, in order to do
1: that. It's not, you
0: know, Roto. Um
1: so, that is the biggest difference yeah, between the, the NFC 50s. Mm-hmm. The 50s, mm-hmm. you have to set your lineup. Got There's it. no waiver moves. This yeah. one, and, it'll and just plug in your best guys.
0: Yep. 50s isn't points, right? It's uh, it's Roto. Right, right. Um, right. And, you know, for a for best ball, like, you can't really do Roto uh, with, with like, the automatic lineup setting, right? It has to be a point system. It's kind of like the cut line, how, like, Raz Slam, which is going on now. I'm sure people are tweeting about that. They are tweeting about that. I'm sure you've seen tweets about that. Um, you know, you have to have a points league in order to have that weekly optimized lineup. So that's the, uh, what is, um, the main difference, uh, between this and, and like your standard Roto and, and points there's, there's a lot of differences. And I think that maybe we didn't focus as much on that last year. Um, and, and we can get into it, but, um, it, I think it changed our. Our, our, our approach a little bit there. You don't really care how you get the points, you just want the points, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, the, For Roto, you go for categories, yeah.
1: You do. So, you know, that alone, you're not thinking about that, right? So, if you start your draft with, like, a you know, a Trout and an Austin Riley, and then you think to yourself, oh, man, Cedric Mullins would be a good fit here to balance out some speed. Forget that way of thinking yeah. when you're playing mm-hmm. in, in a best mm-hmm. ball with points. You can load up and that kind of segues to just a summary of the points format we don't want to like bore you but it is notable that homers are worth six points and steals or a stolen base is only worth five points so that's almost like flipped to me steve because i feel like homers are more prevalent but maybe they're... not
0: this year but yeah yeah, yeah.
1: but and, and also homers innately come with a, a run an rbi and a hit. So technically a homer is actually like an 11 point play mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh or or I guess maybe an at bat is dropped cuz yeah, cuz cuz of one thing but anyway, um yeah, that's that's notable that speed is faded here. Uh beyond that, I think, you know, probably the biggest thing to call out is playing time really matters uh, you know, pitchers as well. The saves are eight points, but you also can accrue points in a hurry with innings pitched. I think it's three Mm -hmm. points per innings pitched, but then you get docked for walks, hits, earned runs. So, you know, you see starters kind of uh, scooted up a little bit uh, compared to relievers. Scooted Uh, up
0: and then just overall pitchers scooted down. Faded, yes. Yeah.
1: So hitters are are much more of a priority because when you look at the points column in the draft— you know, the top scoring guys are, are not your your workhorse pitchers even. It, it's mainly hitters who, like an Aaron Judge, for instance, is getting six points per his, you know, 60 homers. So uh, so that's just a quick summary on the scoring. But anything else to add, Steve? Because I, I think we want to get into overall, we're going to talk through kind of strategy tips. And then when we get into our draft, we'll talk through all of our players you know kind of hit on why we like them but also stress test that against the best practices and say you know did we you know prioritize homers over steals and so on and so forth
0: um no I, I, I think think we hit on it um it was just interesting to see and we can get into it as we talk about the draft like there's so many different strategies and just different ways that you can approach it um even with sort of Okay, this is what I have to do, and these are the rules and how to attack it, but there's still, you know, um, different ways to get there. So many, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just so interesting. Just looking at the draft board, like, you know, you see a team with six outfielders in the first eight rounds, um, which yeah. we'll get into, like, it's not that bad of an idea because there's five outfield spots and. Uh, you know you need to have that covered at at all times and it's other than the pitcher slot it's the biggest spot on your roster so and then there's obviously util too that that now fielder can go in there so it, it was just really interesting i think it was a very sharp room. it was a good draft and I'm, I'm 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 glad we did it and excited to break it down
1: well let's alternate here steve on on best practices or you know tips you know if you read a article about strategies for NFBC best balls or best balls in general, we can kind of go back and forth. One thing that jumped out at me, and and it's just kind of logical, when you have 46 guys on on your team and it's optimizing to the best performer, one thing that jumps out at me is that volatility, which is usually something I'm terrified of in weekly leagues, that's something that actually isn't that bad of a thing here because Mm -hmm. guys who accrue their value from going nuts and we know the type right it's like mm-hmm. you've seen you know John birdie go off for five or six steals in a week you've seen some of the mashers who hit four or five home runs in a week and then you know Roddy Telez who how many games did he have multi- homer uh you know he'd have back to back two homer games then he wouldn't hit another homer for four weeks. And on one hand, that's, that will kill you in a weekly league, but because Mm -hmm. you have that optimization, I don't run from volatility. And I think it's actually, especially later in the draft, when you're in like the forties, volatile guys are the ones that like, you know, you might only use their stats three times a season, but if they go nuts, you're, you're getting a bump on on your points for that week. So I think it's uh, not the worst thing in the world.
0: Yeah. Um, I really think that's a, a, a great, great point. And it's something that as I've gotten older and sort of more less risk more risk averse, um, it's a hard habit to break. Um, and especially because I do play a good amount of weekly leagues. Same. Um it, C J it, Crone C J yeah. a great example too. Yeah, you, know? you you try to shy away, like and you try to remember like, oh yeah, like the bulk of this guy's stats came in his extremely hot July. Like that doesn't matter for, for this because, you know, you have other guys that'll fill in when he's when he's cold in June, but when he's hot in July, he could be carrying you and getting you all the points that you need to help win. So, um I think that's a great point and I don't know if we took enough did you what do you what do you think? I guess maybe when we get into our draft we can talk about it, but I don't know if we took a lot of uh those guys that there's have high some volatility of them. there's
1: some of them and i also don't know that you you know want to construct a team with you know dated references but like a, a and buxton yeah. and like up and down because then if it all crashes at the same time you look at what everyone else in your league is getting but i i do think i, I guess the takeaway here is when you get later in the draft and some of those names are floating out there like that's when i think it, it makes sense to to take a shot because if they're just bang average every week and you're getting them in the 38th round, they're probably not going to crack the lineup ever. Like yeah, that's week. a great
0: point. That's a great point. Yeah, and it's just you don't have to build your team around it. You just don't have to necessarily shy away from as much as you would in a a, a standard league.
1: Yeah, but we we won't cheat, Steve, because I think our the structure of our show. We'll go through our names and then talk yeah. about how we yeah. did it in these categories, but I think we did all right there. So yeah. that's the first yeah. one is volatility. Why don't you hit on another uh, kind of tip or best practice?
0: Um, the This is like something that I tried to focus on the entire draft, and it's kind of balancing your bench and, and, and depth, not even necessarily bench, but building position depth from early on in the draft. Yeah. Because this is, a lineup optimization like you need to have your positions covered if uh, you know inevitably when someone gets hurt you need to have a backup at a spot for the deeper positions like outfield and pitchers you need to have enough coverage there for you know when guys aren't performing or hurt so i think we really tried to focus on building depth and i think it's important um something that i normally wouldn't do is like take a catcher Super early, and we were the first catcher off the board because it's it's so important to have all these positions filled because you can't go to the waiver wire and you know if you're weak at a certain spot. Okay, I'm just going to allocate a good amount of fab to to build up this spot. Um, so you really need to have balance, and you really need to have depth. I think that that's the biggest takeaway when when doing these drafts, like you like position you know filling in your positions uh, is is more important in this draft than i think in in a league that has fab or weekly moves because you're not able to set your lineup like you have what you have and i think that therefore you need to round out your lineup uh your starters and then fill it with depth uh as soon as possible um you know for 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 a team in our league that was taking six six outfielders which I didn't hate because yeah uh, you know it, it, you can you have no worries at outfield whatsoever and that's five of your roster spots so I think you can kind of do that because pitchers and saves aren't um you know as as there's there's not tax on them like they would be in like TGFBI or the main event because you can get your points anyway it doesn't necessarily have to be a save so you can kind of do that yeah. More freely, um, without you know decimating your your roster, your rotation, right? I, I, the pitchers are are bumped way down, so you can kind of wait on that and fill in the depth earlier, which I think we did a good job of. So um, to, that to, was to my biggest in, takeaway. Yeah,
1: no, that's a good note. But to to jump in, I'm thinking of the Nick Pollock. Uh, you know, he he's mentioned in the past about any starting pitcher in the majors, and I'm going to butcher kind of these percentage splits, but it's like you know. of them are okay starts, uh, 20% of them are bad starts, and 30% of them are, like, great starts, So you know, based on their skill set. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have Zach Wheeler on a bad start one week, and then you got, like, Ryan Yarbrough, who has a great start because he's at Oakland or something, like— that's easier to do than if you have a, a team of Mike Zaninos at catcher mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and you can't play the catcher carousel on the wire so it, it is important to make sure that you have a, a strong base and then you know depth like you mentioned because you're stuck with these guys for the whole season
0: yeah like there's there's a chance that if you know a position anywhere on your lineup the the best that you could do is is like negative points so right, um, right that that's a possible possibility anywhere so i I think it was important to fill out our roster whereas you know if you do tgfbi or um a a weekly move league and it's like ah crap like you know I, i waited on second base like i can grab you know the the 18th best second baseman because i like x y and z underlying you know and then and then worry about that there and then I could just take another bench hitter and, and and a high upside second baseman. Then that really doesn't work in this format, right? You need Production. more certainty. You need more certainty at every spot in
1: your lineup. Certainly at the kind of for your starters, you know, it's yes. it's like have your anchors, and then you know you can play volatility. And we can challenge ourselves on that one too when it comes to our staff. But uh, a couple other quick notes on best practices. You know, right in line with that positional depth, um, guys who are multi-eligible, right? So like a Jake Mm -hmm. Cronenworth or, you know, guys that might seem a little vanilla. If they're first base, second base, all of a sudden they're capable at first, second, middle infield, corner infield, util. So that just makes the algorithm... You know, it, it's like a permutation exercise. Yeah, it gives, it, it where gives, it gives yeah. you more options. It gives it's 100 you 100 different options. lineup options that could score well for you. So those guys get pushed up a little bit, and you don't want to walk away from the draft uh, without any of those guys because it does make your lineup kind of a Swiss Army knife. So that that is a strength as well. Um, and then, kind of, the last one that we can pair these two together is just take your oatmeal. And playing time matters. And Mm -hmm. what we mean by that is for everything we just said about volatility, it's a pretty risky proposition to, I mean, give me a big prospect uh, hitter, Steve. I'm trying to think of one that we might have looked away Uh, from.
0: Jordan Walker. Andy Rodriguez, um, Jordan
1: Walker, like guys who, you know, you would add them and stash them for two or three weeks in the regular season just for their debut without having that certainty that they're actually going to play, sometimes that can be fool's gold in a league like this when you'd be much better served to grab a guy who, you know, is going to start every day and bat sixth for the Giants because one of those weeks he's going to get hot and that's going to crack your lineup. So th- that's kind of that playing time, that oatmeal. I mean, you mentioned it too with, did we would we normally love taking Real Muto in the third round? No, we wouldn't, but that's kind of that that take your medicine moment and it really does help in the long run so those are kind of our our different categories for tips is balance your bench uh, a boost for hitters a boost for position eligibility uh, late volatility so you can try to get those hot streaks and then playing time and oatmeal are, are all some factors there so hopefully that helps as a primer and we'll get into all the names that we took and evaluate how we did with with those strategic thoughts in mind. Uh, but first, we're going to take our first ad break, and we'll be right back. Okay. So, Steve, uh, any closing thoughts before we we jump into the actual names? Or are you ready to, to get into it here? No, no. Let's get into it. Let's, okay. Uh, well, lead us off. Talk to us about our you know our draft slot, our maybe our first three or four rounds, and how you felt it went for us
0: so we we actually we set uh this league filled like an hour before uh the draft actually started um so we were talking kds uh the kentucky derby style draft order pretty close to the draft and i, I know we've been talking how we want like you know this sweet spot sort of the middle of the first round but after drafting from that spot in tgfbi uh and I know this was a little different because it it, it was a live draft, 55-second pick time. It wasn't a slow draft like we've normally been doing for these other drafts. But I liked building our team, or I like building teams at the turns, just two picks at a time. Yeah. So I think we did 1-2 and then 12-11 so that we could build our team there and then sort of went from outside in
1: uh extra important too for yeah. the importance of positions like we were just saying like that you know if you yeah if you're in the middle around you can't really say i'm gonna get a second baseman here and an uh, outfielder next you know
0: i think it's easier to build to to focus on your positions and, and, and where you need to fill when you pick two at a time so i like that for this format um I, and i like it more in general you know regardless of the pick and like you know, uh, the the main reason for picking in the first round is because or picking towards the middle of the first round because you get a good second round pick. But then after, there's there's so many other rounds, right? <laughs> after that, it's done. Like, you don't want to build your, take your draft slot just based on the first two rounds. I know that, you know, arguably they're the most too important, but uh, I kind of like at the turn. So we got our second choice. We got two, um, which was fun. Uh, I think we, we told ourselves that we were going to take Whoever's left between Otani and judge um Otani went one as he does in most of these best ball points league just because it's like you know it's position eligibility on steroids it's uh you're either gonna get him as this amazing pitcher this week or it's you know incredible. he's gonna go off as a hitter hitter and and slot into your no Utah.
1: headaches, you just get the best otani yeah like it's uh, how it should be man, yeah, uh, so we didn't so, get him we got we, no we got judge.
0: No. I got Otani in Raslin though, which was pretty nice. I think I had him at three, that's which is a, sim- a, similar, a similar format. Um, never points, never rostered Otani. Uh, that's got to change. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Judge, I mean, I, the, he's a guy. I don't think I've ever had a share of Judge really either. Um, so I, I know that there's just some talk of, you know, you don't want to pay for the career year. But, I mean, in a points league where homers are just so – Valuable, like how could we have not gone judge two? I think we considered a cunya, right? Let me
1: throw that, let me throw this out, Steve. So, last year in this points league format, Aaron Judge led all players with Mm 1,118 points. Uh, can you guess what the second highest was without looking, not the player, but the point total from 1118 to what was second place? Um, 838. You're literally looking at it.
0: No, I'm not. But I, you, I, I, I look at it. go <laughs> buy
1: go buy a lot of tickets, dude. It's 8:38 on the dot. Are you screwing <laughs> with me right now?
0: No, but I, I mean, you know, I saw it. It's just this. I remember God it, almighty. and it was it was okay. it was gold. It was Goldie. It was Goldie, right? It was Goldie. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, yeah, Spoiler alert. We, I we swear, got the top I'm tip. not.
0: I'm not looking. I was not looking at that. But I did look at did, it, obviously, when we were drafting. But yeah,
1: that goes to show. Like Judge does not need to be who he was last year to to be completely elite in this format especially with the the emphasis on homer so yeah continue sorry
0: uh yeah so there's just been so much and he he there's so much else well too right like even if he's not this a 300 hitter, even if it's more like the 280 you're gonna take that and i'm not banking on judge hit 60 home runs again but i think the floor is like Forty-five, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Forty. As long as he stays um, healthy, yeah. For yeah, sure. as long as he stays healthy, and he has now for the last two years, and you know, the the whole. No one's really injury prone anyway. Uh, I, I sort of am in that camp as well. At least you can't predict who's 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 injured um, too well, or who will get injured, um, but. <sighs> I just don't see how we could pass up on a guy who produced that many points. Like even if it's 85% of that, it's still probably the best player in this format. Right. Yeah. Um, even 75% you're taking, uh, and you're not disappointed with spending the second round pick on it, um, or the second overall pick on it. So, um, and outfield too is important because there's, there's five to fill and, you know, we got arguably the best one in this format, at least I would have considered Acuna too. Um, but I just think that because it doesn't really matter, like the steals don't matter as much um, and homers are more valuable, that I, I would give Judge uh, a bump over Acuna, where I would probably go the other way around if it wasn't a points league. But um, it's it's nice having Judge on, the, on a points league roster, yeah.
1: Okay. Okay, so then we went with the uh, – the second highest points leader from last year. With I didn't, with I didn't realize that.
0: That's nice. We have yeah. one, two from last year. One, two. That's so, great.
1: So yeah, at the end of the second round, we got Goldie, which again, kind of attacking positions, knowing that it's five outfielder. We got Judge, and we got Goldschmidt at first. And then on the swing back is where we went real Muto. And we talked about that uh, earlier in the show. So we'll, we'll keep rolling. What gets a little interesting for us, Steve is here we are in round four. We don't have a pitcher. And we went ahead and rolled the dice with the Jacob deGrom. Now, I know what you're saying, that our best practice was take your oatmeal, especially at the top of the roster spots. But I do think for the starting pitcher, there might be a little bit more forgiveness Mm -hmm. in that, you know, yes, deGrom might not be there all the time. But as long as we can have one of our 12 pitchers... Uh, really, we have, what, 18 pitchers? As yeah, long as we have one so. of those guys that you know performs well to kind of backfill for DeGrom, and then the weeks when DeGrom is on fire, we're just going to cherry-pick those best weeks. So, you know, God willing, he stays healthy, but this was a little bit of a gamble compared to our first three rounds, for sure.
0: And there is an overall aspect, which I think is always fun to take a, a risk on a guy like DeGrom. Good point, um, yeah. You know, if you get... The full year, which at this point is a long shot, but if you do, your chances at getting and not overall, only your league prize but an overall prize goes up exponentially.
1: Yeah, those are those are big numbers too. When you get in the overall, the the payouts the real deal. So yeah, we got Degrom; it's a little bit of a lotto ticket there. And from from that point, we went back in on hitters uh, for back to back picks. We got. Alex Bregman, Uh, so again, focus on position, short up third base there. And then we needed a shortstop and went Dansby Swanson, who I think he's kind of an oatmeal one as well because he's usually durable. He's going to rack up some stats. Um, So, yeah, shortstop is deep, but we got Dansby there uh, with our six-round pick. Then we went back in on pitching. So, Steve, why don't you kind of uh, VO where we were at with with this – back-to-back pitcher move that we did here
0: real quick on Swanson uh, you know I I don't love him Uh, I think it was a career year last year so even more so than judge he's just not as good as a player like you don't want to buy someone coming off that career year it's a new contract on a new team we've talked extensively about how sometimes that leads to some slumps in the beginning of the season that being said and yeah shortstop is deep like but you need a shortstop from this tier, sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Wanda Franco went the pick before. Like, even though it's deep because it's best ball, and you need to have that depth. Like, that's that's sort of the thing that I would change my mind on. Where, if I didn't have a shortstop at this time in in a weekly league where there was moves, I probably wouldn't. I would, you know, I would say, okay, I'm cool with waiting and taking, you know, uh, a flyer on a shortstop and having like Ezekiel Tovar as a starting shortstop or something like that in this format.
1: No. Um, because you need need that depth at that position. But Yeah. But um, Swanson has missed uh I think all of two games in yeah. the past three seasons. So, there, so there's durability. Even if it's just today. that, right? That that that's useful. Um plus he but, just feels like a guy, you know, he he feels like he belongs in Wrigleyville. I think he's gonna I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, the fans are gonna lean in there. You yeah. know, maybe it's the Cardinal in me, but I know he's gonna be good for them as well. So anyway, we got Swanson. Uh, talk about our, our pitchers as well
0: uh galsman and green the two g's um to back up de uh okay. so another I, I think when we took him you're like yeah galsman could be like a top 5 10 pitcher uh, which i think he can like he has been in the not too recent past i know last year wasn't peak Gaussman, but there was a lot of unlock there was a lot of like bad luck that went into the quote-unquote down year for him, like he was still really, really good, and I like considered maybe a low on SP one.
1: Dude, I was, uh, I was, I was, I was going to hit on him in in our episode last week, but just so, like to quickly recap, like uh, on pitcher lists, PLV hit luck. Thirty four hits were straight up unlucky for Gossman, so that's where that like he had he had one hundred and seventy four innings, two hundred and five strikeouts, so the K's were elite. 335 ERA you'll take but the 124 whip is what you you were like what Mm -hmm. 124 whip when he had a four percent walk rate but his BABIP was 363 last year and his career (laughs) BABIP is 290 like I I just think Gossman is you know he could be like a top five guy this year with his swing and swing and miss stuff uh yeah I, I was I was pumped because I didn't have a share yet I got sniped by Pete Ball in uh TG FBI. So yeah, I, I was really happy that we got him here, Steve.
0: Yeah. Uh, you, you, you said everything I needed to hear. Uh, I, I love it. I think that there's some, you know, there's an overcorrection over-corre- with Gossman, even though he's still considered uh you know, a, a a top pitcher, he's not being drafted like he was last year. Maybe people felt like they got burned because of that whip number, Um and just in general, I think that's a good time
1: to buy in, uh, especially with a guy with with those skills. But then you were on the other side of it with Hunter Green. We we're kind of like echoing each other here. So talk talk about the Hunter Green call here.
0: Yeah, I feel like we said we didn't have any shares, right? We've been hyping them up. You know, not that we are the only ones. It's like the pitcher with the most hype uh there is this off season, but to get a guy that has the potential to get as many strikeouts as hunter green like that could just be massive massive points every week uh and to have him as our our third starting pitcher i think built a good foundation for us um you know three in the first eight rounds I don't think is too too much you know we said we wanted to build build on hitters, and I still think we were able to do that we we kind of got a lot of our scarce positions covered um, at first and third that allowed us to do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that green is a, a perfect balance of upside, um, especially when we paired it with more of a steady Eddie guy like Gaussman. Um, so, yeah, we need some things to go right with the Grom and green. Um, but, but I'm pretty think, confident that yeah. that green will – be what he was in the second half and then you just have to bank on DeGrom's health. So um yeah, I could see Green just, you know, averaging eight to ten strikeouts a start and just racking up points like crazy.
1: Yeah, it, like the trend that we're kind of showing early on is that like our our stable foundation was on the bats, but then mm-hmm. on pitching because we knew you know, there again, all it takes is one two start week or, you know, a light matchup and you might have a you know, whoever it is, Kyle Moeller or something jump into your your lineup. So we we're we we're going for some of the boom bust top end pitchers to where like if we were to make any noise in the overall, it would be because our pitchers that were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, lotto tickets hit the jackpot. So yeah, I think and then Gossman was a nice little stability to mix in there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think those were, were both good plays that I'm super happy about. Um, so advancing here, as we're now kind of getting into round nine, you are you're passing like pick 100 range. This is usually the section where you're kind of filling the gaps. So at this point, we were, you know, we only had one outfielder with Judge being our first outfielder. So... We went in on Christian Yelich, who who you were pushing on, Steve. And I, part of my concern was just, you know, with Yelich, I, I talked last episode about how I'm kind of fading Brewers hitting just a little bit. But when you do mm. look at Yelich's line, it was pretty solid for, for, you know, viewing that as like a down year. It's funny, I remember at the start of last season, we were saying, It's going to be one or the other for Yelich. He's either going to be an MVP candidate or we're going to be picking him at pick 300 next year. Mm -hmm. And it was not that case at all. He was like right in the middle. And maybe that's who he is at this point with room for more. But, you know, I think it was a a solid pick. And I think he's a little underrated in terms of across the board stats. But why were you pushing so hard for Yelich? Yeah,
0: I think it's just a a, a potential. Another guy that I think is is victim of what you said that those MVP expectations like if this is who Christian Yelich is now like it's still a, a pretty good fantasy player like I would expect you know probably a, a little bit better average because of the shift um, you know he's had issues again recently with ground balls and if one thing is going to go up it's batting average on ground balls and Yelich still hits the ball hard so. Um, I think there's some room for for batting average improvement, and we could see sort of that Miami Marlins um, pre-true breakout with maybe a little bit more power, um, you know, with 20 homer power, which is really, really good. Um, And I know you were talking about how, you know, he does walk a lot, and that could take away some of his… Hits and everything. His his value there, Yeah. But I believe, you know, you lose a a point for an at-bat, right? And walks aren't at-bats. Let me make sure it's not played appearances in the rules, but I'm pretty sure that that's the case. Yeah, it's Uh, at-bats. It's at-bats. So, yeah, so a walk isn't a negative one, which is not nothing um, for Yelich And for a guy that steals as much as he does, um, hits as much homers as he does, I think that there is some room for upside with Jelich. And... Yeah, we really need an outfielder. Uh, I know we were considering Quan, who actually went with the next pick, but I I, I just can't see Quan with with you know a, a max ten home runs from Stephen Quan. That would be a lot for him. Um, I know he gets a lot a lot of hits, but you know only fifteen more homers from yellow should make up for that. Considering he does steal uh, just as much as Quan does, if not more.
1: Yeah, and yeah, I know in the off season a lot of people talk about, you know, everybody's got a success story and everything. But that Yelich interview where he was talking about Jesse Winker when they are asking him about his off season, he he kind of stepped away from trying to fix himself so much and just enjoyed like some some personal time. And there's some articles about how he's in, you know, the best headspace that he's been in in years coming into this off season. So. I know it's super soft narrative analysis, but you know sometimes that stuff. You know these are human beings, so maybe maybe there will be kind of a, a return to a happy medium between breakout Yelich and Marlins Yelich, like you're you're talking about.
0: But, yeah, yeah, I hope I, I hope so too. I'd you know I, I feel like Yelich is the kind of guy that that can do that just with how he approaches the game and what he did to unlock and become an MVP player, right? Like, it was just an amazing story. And, you know, um, I'll always root for Christian Yelich, and I'm glad that we have a share uh, personally.
1: Yeah, agree. And great call on the the shift. That'll be nice to see if his 252 average from last year can, you know, maybe get up to 260. And then we're talking about like a, you know, 2020 guy with a 260 average. So Mm -hmm. I like it. Uh, Moving through our next picks. You know, we got Nico Horner. We've talked about him a lot on the podcast. Lean's a little bit more steals heavy, but we didn't have a second baseman. I know we still like uh, that he is kind of a true 280 hitter with with room for more and possibly 10, 20, maybe as many as 25 steals. So that should add up with him hitting leadoff for the Cubs uh, to where, you know, we like that production because we needed a second base. Um, and then beyond... Horner, we went Blake Snell as our SP4 there. So another guy that's kind of feast or famine, but you probably don't need to deal with the headaches when Snell does have mm-hmm. his one or two mm-hmm. blow-up starts, but you are getting that, you know, he's going to have a hot hot streak where he looks like one of the best pitchers in the league like he did for the entire second and half of last season. So Snell, DeGrom, Hunter Green, like we have some absolute uh, point stat rats when they're on, you know.
0: It's a a good format for cherry bombs because you don't worry about the bombs, right? Yes.
1: Yep. Well said. So Snell, we got there. We've talked about him plenty as well in the offseason. But uh, we went in after that for Joey Manessis, which you might hear that and be like, whoa, that seems early right after a Blake Snell. But remember, pitchers get pushed down. And Manessis has the dual eligibility with first base and outfield. So this is the first one, I think, Steve, where we can, you know, say that's a corner, that's an outfield, mm-hmm. whatever, he, right. wherever, wherever he plugs in.
0: It's having those, you know, having first base outfield is so much better. Like is so much better than second base shortstop, which is a lot more common, obviously, yeah. um, just because it's second short and corner Um for this, it's second short, you know, first CI NOF, uh, and then another guy that we're going to talk about a little bit has, you know, the C-I-M-I-O-F, which is which is great, total cheat code. Um, so yeah, they're they're like cheat codes in this game. Like you were I, like we were talking as we were drafting, it's like oh, you know, we don't have a backup uh, CI. We're corner infield. It's like, oh yeah, Manessis is there. It's like, oh yeah, nice. Like it's 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 relieving when you yes. realize that you have these guys. Big time, uh, you know, because because the draft um, software and 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 room like slots a guy in for these best balls out of certain positions. So you kind of see like an O for one at at CI. It's like, no, you're you're good there. We got like, uh, yeah, we're, we're covered, which is which is nice do. And you know, there's a lot to like about Manessas too. I, I think we talked about him last week. Uh, a lot under the hood, backed up. You know what was, if you, you, you know, you might write off as this close to thirty year old guy coming up for the first time and having a hot stretch. There was a lot more under the hood that showed that Joey Manessus was real, uh, as opposed to some other guys that come up late um, and, and might just be a flash in the pan. So I like Manessus a lot.
1: Yeah, and good reports from the Nationals. They got him. They got him set to hit cleanup. And that's where last episode we were talking about how Manessis might potentially leapfrog a guy like Lars Newtbar because of that volume and that mm-hmm. that steady in the lineup five, six times a week. And this is a prime example in this format where Manessus's ADP was about 25 picks ahead of Newtbar. So it's exactly what we were talking about. Um, but yeah, Manessis should be a, a nice dash of upside to go off, but... At the minimum, I think like a 20 to 25 homer guy, respectable average, and some good volume stats, bat and clean up in any roster. So uh, that's Manessis. We'll get into our next picks, which is really where the fun starts. Uh, and we'll we'll catch up after our second ad break. We'll be right back. Okay, so Steve, uh, you know, first we took our medicine again with our second catcher with Danny Jansen. And you know, anything to add here. I think we know what we're getting with Jansen, but it's very nice to look up and see Real Muto and Jansen as our catcher one, catcher two.
0: Just wanted guys with, with that are just good, that'll have playing time. Like obviously Real is the first catcher off the board. Jansen, you know, um maybe maybe if we did this again I would have we, we could have bumped up and grabbed like a a William Contreras or Sean Murphy, but Those guys went in round seven or eight, and they were the catcher one for a lot of these guys. So to wait six, seven rounds and then grab a guy like Jansen that you know may have some playing concerns because Alejandro Kirk is there, um, but he still got a good amount of at bats um, last year. It's just it's it's nice to have guys that you you, to not worry about Uh, even in leagues that are weekly uh, with two catchers, I, I think I'm going to start bumping up catchers more just because it's such a pain trying to have to fill it with guys who are just awful, awful hitters uh, and shouldn't be on any fantasy rosters. We're getting too um, old for it, man. We're getting too yeah, old for the catcher. Yeah. Here, so, so it, it was it was just, it's good to have, and I think it's important to, to build those shallow positions, or else you're going to be looking at some tough, tough options uh, as guys that are going to be in your
1: lineup every week. Uh, So, yeah, glad we went with Jansen where we did. And then next we go with, (laughs) forget everything we've ever said in the past two shows about Lars Newtbar, because we are in with another share, Steve. And, you know, I think at this stage, you know, you're near like pick 200 in that ballpark. That's where I feel like we kind of hit a pivot a little bit because a lot of the steady Eddies are kind of off the board for offense. So then you're just looking for, you know, upside and playing time. And I think Newt Barr should be good for his four out of five games. And we all know with with Newt Barr, there's the potential that, yeah, his projections might say 17 homers, five steals, but nobody would be shocked if he went out and hit like 25 to 30 homers with a a much better batting average than like the 230 he was at last year because he completely turned it around in the second half of the season. So... I think we're pretty stoked that we got Newt. Um, and unless you got anything to add there, Steve, uh, you can hit on the next guy.
0: No, it's just interesting because normally at this point in the draft, and then we always talk about how, like you know, once you get to pick two hundred, you know, you shouldn't be worried about taking some risk because you can just cut a guy uh, at, at this point and really not have any regrets. Well, not in this format. Like you're, we're, no. we're stuck with Lars Newtmore for good or for worse, which yes um for better or for worse so I, I i think it's fine to to mix it in and i think it's nice that we mixed in a, a an oatmeal-y manessis with with a, with a new new bar and yellow uh, before that yeah, and yellow before that right uh, especially for outfield yeah that we have to fill five spots on a daily basis um so it, it's just interesting to keep in mind like yeah, this is the point where you could take a risk, but no, you can't cut these guys if they're total flops. So you need to balance that, and I think we we, we did a decent job with that. But it's just an interesting takeaway.
1: I think he'll be his defense is going uh, to. I think he'll be. Yeah, fine. I'm not it's,
0: saying that he is. Yeah, this extremely risky, um, player.
1: But like you know, uh, it's just more of an overall overall takeaway. Like yeah, for sure. Well, then we went Charlie Morton, Steve. You've been you've been convincing me all off season on morton and this comes in as our sp5 so at this point we have de we have gossman we have hunter green we have blake snell and then morton kind of feels like a nice little you know as safe as an older pitcher like morton can be seems like a little bit of a, a floor pick here what did you think which,
0: which is perfect for what i think we did and why it's kind of okay to take these risks like morton in the 15th round like that's you know that's not going to be the case in in other other leagues. Like right. all these pitchers are just bumped down, um, and I think it's a a good way to balance some of the risks that we took. Um, well, you know another guy that should rack up a lot of strikeouts and a lot of points. So um, I think it fits well, and I like what we did with our pitching coming up um, to sort of backfill and and fill in the staff and get a lot of innings covered for. If and when some of these guys don't perform or, or 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 go down,
1: yep. And then after Morton, we we look up, we see that we got two Cardinals, we got two Cubs. We had to tilt the scales, and we go Brendan Donovan, who is quickly Steve becoming a, a waff The storyline of
0: spring, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh my gosh, hit his this fourth is a home Brendan run Donovan as we podcast. as we record this. Uh, yeah, between now and next week, when you guys are listening to this. Maybe go out and check what Donovan has done since then because his ADP is surging and in this format, it already is, you know, baked in because his eligibility is through the roof. I mean, I don't know if you got it in front of you, Steve, but I think it's second, is it second, third outfield? He's got some ridiculous eligibility going on. Yeah, uh, it, it's
0: it's up, it's at man. least second third outfield. So second uh, yeah. third
1: outfield. So yeah, yeah, you got middle infield, you got so, corner infield, you got outfield. It's pretty much everything you can get, but pitcher or catcher. So uh, and short. So that's that's Brendan Donovan. If you guys missed it, he's done the the batting stance change. He's added muscle. in the offseason. Yeah, and he's yeah. got about as many home runs in spring training as he had all last season for the Cardinals. So. Donovan, wow! Uh, I hope it's not fake news because if it's legit, this is a steal, especially in a best ball in round sixteen. So was was very pumped about that one.
0: Yeah, I think we when when we took him, I was like, oh, uh, it's just like a ten pick bump on his ADP from where he's going. It's like, yeah, it's, this is probably going to be where his ADP is uh, as in we speak life. now, and then and then and then yeah. I, as spring continues cuz he's tearing the cover off the ball there's some you know actionable changes that took place uh in in tweaking his swing it wasn't drive line that he went to but he went to like another facility similar to drive line like Lars Newbar did and added bat speed and changed his stance all that good stuff everything you want to see uh, to back up these these results which we were, talk- it's we're exciting. talking
1: about it, Steve, and I think what we mentioned is, you know, peak Brandon Crawford, even visually yes. with the flow, yes. you know, and that infielder just kind of, uh, you know, stocky and a little bit of uh, power-speed combo with some average floor. So, yeah, love Donovan there. Then, you know, there's 46 rounds, so we can't talk about every player in depth, but mm-hmm. looking at some later picks, Steve, maybe I'll cluster – uh, two sets of three here and then we can take our pick from the deep, deep ones. But, you know, the the next ones, we got Jesse Winker, who we talked about last episode. Uh, full disclosure, I think that one on our 55 second clock was an <laughs> auto did, pick, it but it was it was it about did. 30 picks before ADP. I think it's still fine for Winker because with a guy who traditionally has volatile splits, this is another guy who's like the poster boy for, you know, one week where you're, you're, Texting all your fantasy guys and you're like, what is going on with Jesse Winker, six homers this week? That's gonna be gold as like a, a deep outfielder option in a best ball. So you got Winker, we went Hunter Brown, who again has that kind of boom bust factor for, for pitching, but with the Astros, hopefully some wins. Uh and then uh is it I always pronounce Duran's first name wrong. Is it Johan? Johan Duran, yeah. Johan Duran. So Duran was was a sa- kind of our first uh closer which it's probably a good time to note that while closers overall don't score a- as many points saves being 8 is-, is kind of attractive especially for a guy who can rack up strikeouts because if there's a week where he gets a couple saves that's pretty much the equivalent it's, of like a complete game like Yeah win, it's pretty you know? it's
0: pretty easy for closers to to break into your lineup while you don't need them um it's good to have them right insurance Uh, yeah So any one of those three
1: yeah go ahead if you want to dive in i sort of like what
0: we did with closers we just took high-end guys that should get saves um we took duran we took al al uh evan phillips we took alec lang guys that have skills that maybe are depressed because they don't have the full roles yet but you know all it is going to take is one or two saves a week for these guys with how many strikeouts they get to to provide value and to break into a lineup on any given week so um, I like that strategy uh, for for best ball for what we did even though we didn't spend any draft capital on on an early closer we still got some really skilled guys uh, that should be able to to crack the lineup each week.
1: For sure. Yeah, I think they're like, you know, maybe 15 save guys, give or take. Um, and as long as they don't all happen I on mean, the same week, you're in good yeah. shape, and they could be more. or, they,
0: or they, Yeah, because they could run with their roles. They're definitely the most skilled guys in their bullpen. Um, and just on Winker, I know we got auto-picked, but we needed an outfielder. Um, he was our f- fifth outfielder? Uh, fifth if you count Manessas, fifth, I think. Uh, yeah, so fifth. Outfielder, if you count Manessas. So and then he got running. Donovan as well. So, yeah. you
1: know, that's how it works. That's, yeah.
0: That's... But the the outfielders, the straight outfielders who went after Winker were Jorge Soler, Austin Meadows, Brian De La Clures, Charlie Blackman, Jared Kelnick, Lawrence Guriel. Like,
1: yeah. I'm good with that. I'm good with Winker over those guys. For sure. Yeah. And the next kind of three pack, we went Sean Manaya, Evan Phillips, as you mentioned, and then. Uh, I don't know that he was our next pick. I think he was much later, but I, I did want to call out Matt Carpenter because this is another guy mm-hmm. that when he was when he was playing last year, he like there was a month where he was ranked number one overall in fantasy, mm-hmm. and it's like that wouldn't be ludicrous if it happened for the Padres for Carpenter. And while he's util in most formats, roster resource has him at right field, so he might pick up outfield eligibility as well, which is yeah. an, another plus. They
0: have crews there, so he just needs ten games at the same position, right, to get in-season eligibility. So, um, could be done, especially if he goes on another run. I know that there was another, uh, there was a swing change in the minors last year. He was absolutely tearing the cover off the ball with the Rangers, and then signed with the Yankees, um, and then did what he did before getting hurt. Um, So, had he not gotten hurt, like maybe we're talking about Carpenter as a much earlier pick than
1: round thirty-eight, where we got him. Yeah, so, I mean, he's kind of in that, like, Jock Peterson territory as well, where, like, even if they platoon him, you know he's going to go off for, uh-huh. you know, a few weeks and crack the lineup, which is good. Yeah. Um, man, so opening up, I mean, we, we've talked about this stuff throughout position el- eligibility. We ended up getting Nico Horner, Manessis, Donovan. We just talked about Carp. Uh, we got John Birdie, who is another guy who can just, you know, cash in on a four-steal week. Birdie is second base, third base eligible. It's kind of a sneaky play. Um, you know, maybe one thing we didn't talk about as much is like really deep once you get into round 30 and beyond, looking at guys who do have a role carved out for that volume mm-hmm. and some really kind of oatmeal names, even though some of these have some some options. But uh, Mike Yastrzemski we grabbed who should play every day for the Giants. Jose Siri, not quite as oatmealy because there's some power speed upside there, but he's set to play outfield hopefully every day for the Rays. I know they shake things up. And then you were cracking up when I threw out Carlos Santana <laughs> in the 34th round, but he's batting cleanup for the yeah, Pirates. Yeah. Like he's going to get volume, man. Like yeah. This is a fun exercise to basically go with the boring production guys that typically you'd be like, oh, I don't want that guy, you know?
0: like i like i just kept saying to you and saying to myself and you're saying to me like at this point we just didn't want zeros like we want guys with jobs guys that can contribute guys that can fill in when we need them to at the lineup in any given week so i think we focused on role more so than upside um did it maybe maybe did a good balance balance of
1: that um Maybe talk like through Akeel. some of yeah talk through some of our upside picks yeah. because we did sprinkle them in and there's some some good like ones. guys like yeah. Akil uh
0: Eli Harris Montero, who you know you brought up I think he had one strikeout in 23 uh, spring plate appearances so far. Um, that was the issue last year. He flashed some good power in Colorado. Could be the starting third baseman for yeah. them. Um, so that's nice. Uh, I, I think it's it's a, it's a kind of the ideal blend of playing time yeah. and and upside. But like um, a another, Brett
1: Beatty, maybe yeah. is is a big upside. Maybe
0: one. more that's more just straight upside there. Yeah. Um but you know, he played for a bit last year um and could be a guy that just comes in and tears the cover off the ball and runs with the roll. Um but then the next pick is like the most oatmeal y balance with that with Carlos Santana. Nolan Jones, I I think that's another just Colorado flyer um, as a hitter. Um, Ryan Nelson, a starter in Arizona. You know, Saras has talked about him a bunch. He had a good short stint last year when he came up uh, to Arizona. Um, Ronaldo Lopez, um, a dark horse for saves. And, and, and the Chicago White Sox bullpen, even though uh, the Pitchless Discord has swear everyone to stop talking about him, uh, to keep him <laughs> as a sleeper, uh, which was just pretty funny. So the, the, there's some good upside there. Um, and then the last guy I was wanted to note, mention was, was, was Ryan Noda. Uh, he has been like a career minor leaguer, had an amazing year last year, uh, I think with the Dodgers. And then the A's took him in the Rule 5 draft. So... He has to play or be return or be on the 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 twenty five twenty three map. Yeah, no, op, no uh, yeah. Uh, as a rule five pick, he has to be on the the
1: active roster. Uh, and yeah, and Noda with twenty five homers and in, uh, in one hundred and thirty five games at AAA last year, twenty steals. So yeah, hopefully it's not a, a quad A type of guy. But yeah, that's that's not a bad play. Is he? Um, is he slated in the athletics? Long um
0: That's one thing I mean he he he, he, he has to be because uh, a a starter? Uh, yeah. Not I not mean, a he,
1: starter at the moment, but maybe uh platooning with like JJ Bliday or uh Yeah, yeah he's their, first I'm in our so. right now. Esther Ruiz, if he bottoms out, Loriano should have a position, but I think Bliday is, is probably where it's like may the best man win and then yeah, who knows if they pick up an injury or something, but that's, you know, twenty five twenty at AAA is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, hopefully, he gets a shot and and can run with it. But yeah, that's that's an upside play, and it's I think I think it's okay to sprinkle those in when you have stability and, and playing time around it. So
0: they they have a uh, Aguilar starting at DH, so that's a natural platoon. Aguilar's a righty, uh, noted as a lefty, so maybe yeah. there. Um, Seth Brown, that was at first, uh, and who knows, who knows how long Ramon Laureano and Seth Brown will be Oakland A's and create a job there.
1: Yep. And maybe the last two, like, upside plays again, because we kind of cushioned around it with, like, a Mike Yastrzemski, a Jose Siri. Uh, We did go Nolan Gorman and Andrew Painter on a turn, which was, uh, you know, a lot of sizzle there, but also, you know, guys that could explode, and, and there's an overall element, so... Yeah, I mean, I guess at this stage, Steve, we've like we've talked through all the picks, the strategy. We've kind of been peppering in what big picture takeaways from this draft. I mean, I feel like we both felt really good about it. But are, are there any closing thoughts on kind of best ball and how our team shaped out?
0: Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's super important to, um, and I think a, a focus of mine was to not take those upside plays too early like you know i i don't want to take uh you know uh an o'neill cruise in the in this format just because you don't know if this is going to be the year that he figures it all out um and you know you can't have a guy that is a zero for however many months he was when he was when he you know when he first came up right mm-hmm. um not saying that he's
1: going to be, but that's just the sort of risk that I don't want to take. Um, yeah, most of our early risk was all concentrated on on pitchers. So yeah, so
0: take your risk on pitchers because you could fill in those pitchers easily, um, and I think we did a good job of that. But for you know a shortstop, like you're not filling that in with a with a great player. If you take O'Neill Cruz and he isn't great, um, you know and I'm not saying that I think he's going to be better but I think Dansby Swanson is a lot safer and you need to be safe with your hitters especially in this in this format so um, that's my biggest takeaway I think it was we, we did it well um, and, and we really focused on playing time and building that depth and making sure that we are going to have the least amount of zeros uh, in, in our lineup spots at any given week that I think is the goal and how like my mindset, what I keep told, telling myself in the draft is just make sure that you're not going to be take, taking zeros at any roster spot at any time. I know that's impossible. and You know, you can't do it, but you need to
1: minimize that. Yeah. I mean, that's well said. It's like what we lacked in kind of early pitching. Mm-hmm. I think we kind of invested in, you know, catchers for instance, with real Muto, Danny Jansen, like that's going to be a, a big relief. And then, yeah, I mean, what I'll be watching throughout the season is, you know, how did, how did our, our late round picks work out? Like, was it Yastrzemski getting in our lineup way more often than, you know, Nolan Gorman, for instance, because those are two kind of side by side where it's like a Mm -hmm. lot of upside versus kind of the, the floor with Yastrzemski. So, yeah, I, I thought it was a blast. And again, if, if, you guys listening, if you have not gotten into a best ball, like give it, give it a try. It really is a a fun way to do another draft. It doesn't compete with, you know, your attention span, Mm -hmm. you know, on weekends when you're processing fab, or if you got a home league that, you know, takes a lot of your time. This is a great way to, you know, get out there, do a draft. You can split the entry fee like me and Steve did. It's, it really is a lot of fun and it's a great way to get into that practice of a, a quick live draft where you, you got to make some decisions about backfilling a a position or you get sniped and you got to react quick. So a lot of fun and and glad we did it, Steve. I I, I got a good feeling on this one, you know?
0: Yeah, it felt good. It was was a lot of fun doing this. Uh, You know, it's great. We love drafting. Um, and, And now we, have something to just look at when we do fab each week, you know? Uh, yeah. Just, just, It's it's nice just to have a league that we can just look at the standings and it does everything automatically just for us. Grab it, so. the popcorn. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly.
1: All right. Well, that rounds us out. I'm, in two weeks, we'll be uh, putting it all into action on oh, yeah. opening day, Steve. Uh, listeners, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Again, we're every Thursday from here through the season, which we're excited about. And, uh, yeah, before long, Steve, we're going to have to start actually planning what the milestone is for episode 100. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, for everybody tuning in, thanks for talking baseball with us, guys. Thanks for listening. Later.